Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Kyle, and this month we are still catching up on Cage. Uh, today is Season of the Witch 2011, so what we're doing for the month of February is we've each chosen uh, two Nick Cage movies, one we've seen a long time ago and that we don't remember, and one that we've never seen. So yeah, uh, Season of the Witch 2011. I wanted to say at the top real quick, Trevor, I meant to mention this before we uh, got started, um, somebody asked me like, "Well, what's the motivation behind doing this podcast? What are you What are you getting at?" I'm like, "Well, we we're trying to get each other to watch movies we wouldn't normally watch and get ourselves to watch movies that you know we wouldn't normally watch." And I was like, "What other motivation do I have for doing this?" And I was like, "I one of the things I wanted to mention. I'm, I know you have your own motivations as well. Um, one of the frustrating things with having a significant other is finding something to watch at night." So, I'm. If you follow this podcast, you can use this as a source of like at least one of these guys is probably gonna recommend this movie, and if I haven't seen it, chances are I might I might enjoy watching it. So you can even use this as like, what should I watch? Oh, what movie have I not seen on Catching Up on Cinema? Like, oh, one of them likes this, except for Bandersnatch. Don't watch that. <laughs> Don't watch that shit. Oh, 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 and and the Dark Back. No, no, no. You should watch the Dark Backward. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think actually, everybody you can should make a very them. strong argument for everybody deserves to take one swing <laughs> at it. Just give it a shot. See if, if it works for if you. you have, <laughs> if you like Bill Paxton at all, just give it a watch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is my choice. So I actually originally chose uh, Raising Arizona, and we decided to not do an episode on it. Uh, one, because I don't feel like it would have made a good episode. Uh, personally, and two, we don't want to piss off the Coen Brothers crowd, uh, uh, which is quite considerable. Yes, um, the Coen Brothers have quite the following, and uh, that's just a whole can of worms that I I don't feel terribly qualified to get into. Um, and I'm a big I mean, Coen Brothers fan. If you were to like, yeah. if you were to go after Hail Caesar, I'm like, that those are fighting words, dude. Hail like, Caesar, you shut your fucking mouth. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I love Hail um, Caesar. I think we both enjoy Coen Brothers films, but. At the same time, neither of us has like seen their filmography front to back. No, and they they have a very distinct uh, oh here's my favorite word oeuvre <laughs> <laughs> um, that I think a lot of folks out there probably know better than we do. Yeah. So I feel like if we were to start talking about raising Arizona, there'd be so many fine details and like just stuff that we'd overlook that are is very important to a certain like subsect of people that for us it's just like oh whatever i didn't like it <laughs> anton chigurh is my i think to date my favorite movie villain of all time so i've got i've got love for the coen brothers because like i said i think we both have quite a bit of love for them i talk about a serious man every chance i get because i really happen to enjoy that film i re- did you talk um, to the rabbi <laughs> which one <laughs> it's so good Mm. Uh, but yeah, so Kyle initially uh, proposed Raising Arizona as a his his movie that he want his cage film that he wanted to catch up on, uh, meaning neither of us had actually seen it. Um, however, he uh, he called an audible and he mm-hmm. said no. Uh, so instead, he very quickly pivoted and decided to go with uh, Dominic Sena's uh, Season of the Witch. Um, if you're not aware, Dominic Sena has worked together with Nick Cage uh, on uh, Gone in sixty seconds. And uh, I believe he also is a very prolific uh, music video director. I and saw I that. Think it, I think it definitely shows in his uh, in his uh, editing style, especially in Gone in sixty seconds. Um, 
holy shit, he did the Top Gun anthem music video with Harold Faltermeyer? Fuck yes. You just that, said a uh, whole bunch of stuff I don't know. Uh, look it up. You'll you'll love it. Um, <laughs> but he also directed Swordfish. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, Kyle. Oh, I have. <laughs> those those frosted highlights, man, on like every male in the cast. <laughs> in my opinion, uh, Hugh Jackman can almost do no wrong. Uh, he... In most movies I've seen, I've either enjoyed it or I've enjoyed his performance in it. Uh, just biased no, I, I, I love me some Jackman. Mm-hmm. The Jackman can, in fact, do no wrong, except when he has an earring and frosted tips in his hair. Hey, man, <laughs> um, it, was, it was the time. And and when he's cast as a hacker. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh man, he's Six and okay. a half foot tall, super jacked Aussie hacker. When he's, when he's in Travolta's house and he's hacking and he's like smoking cigarettes, he's gone through an entire bottle of wine and then he's going for a second one while he's hacking. Like, How the fuck are you getting anything done, dude? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think the only reason why most people remember that film, well, two reasons. Three reasons. Four oh, reasons. You don't even have to four, say the fourth four, one. Don't don't even four, say the fourth four, one. We know the fourth three and one. four. Three and four are attached to the same human being. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, that would be Halle Berry. Yeah. Men of a certain age will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, the other two reasons are the first sequence of the film, the the slow motion 360 explosion. Yeah. That was in vogue at the time. The Matrix was only like two years before or something. Uh, and then that goddamn Paul Oakenfold song. Um, he he does like techno music and stuff. Oh. He did this song that goes. Oh yeah, and John Travolta's Soul Patch. Um, <laughs> oh but gosh! It, enough, enough <laughs> with the clown. <laughs> um, Season of the Witch. Why is it you picked this one, Kyle? Well, I w- my other choice was going to be bringing out the dead because uh, I watched a little thing about Nick Cage talking about his favorite characters he's played, and it's also what led me to watch Mandy for the first time. But he was talking about his character bringing out the dead, and it sounded really interesting. And then I looked at the director, and it's a rated R Scorsese movie. So I'm like, we don't need to do an episode on that. Just watch that movie. Uh, I believe I started this podcast by saying by using the phrase can of worms um, <laughs> Scorsese is like a fucking bathtub <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not touching that two of my mo- two of the movies I feel grossly underqualified to get into that <laughs> he has four he has four movies that I have rewatched no less than eight times each I know for a fact I went through Wolf of Wall Street I think I've seen that eight times four of those were in like two months like just every other week I watched that for movie for me it's uh Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Casino, uh, Aviator, Wolf, um, and then there's probably one other at least. Uh, the, the Departed, Casino, Departed. Yeah, Goodfellas. A, six. Six yeah, for me. Wolf of Wall Street. So I'm like, bringing out the dead, I'm like, it's just going to be a good movie. I don't need to, we don't need to do a podcast on it. Like, we're not no, going to, no. what are we going to possibly say about Mars Scorsese's film? So <laughs> and everything I, will be wrong. <laughs> um, I wanted to do this movie because I want to do something else uh, here, maybe, maybe here in a few months, but I want to do some catching up on Seagal. Um, I think that we, I think we can have some fun with that. Uh, but this is that um, that Nick Cage kind of in limbo movie. Uh, it looks super corny, and it just looked like it'd be a fun movie. It seemed like well, he might you, really... I think that's fitting, because you've cited Bangkok Dangerous mm-hmm. as, like, I think the last movie you've seen in theaters starring Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, and that was like the beginning of the limbo period. Yeah, <laughs> it was like right after the the National Treasure movies, 
and then we get like Bangkok Dangerous and Knowing and and this and what's really funny about that though is that uh, my movie that I picked that we'll be doing for next week uh, is Drive Angry which came out the same year as Season of the Witch so this is uh, this is Nick, Ga- Nick Cage in his uh, I like to call it the Nickelback mode or, or like his his Nickelback cycle or whatever you want to call it yeah uh, it's like your 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 new metal band still trying to make it in 2011, and like, dude, 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 we left that back. Well, with what's Freddy even more Jason. so, his his physical appearance in this film. <laughs> um, I oh, mean, there yeah, used let's... to be a, a there used to be a joke a few years ago that you could you could uh, separate the diff- distinct phases of Nick Cage's career based on his haircut. Yep, you can. Really, he he takes on a different aesthetic presentation every few years or so. Well, this is just like so. He was a about to. Th- I think this might be the last one of the last movies before he gets into some independent stuff. Uh, the Frozen Ground. I I did want to do an episode on. I just think it's one that you should watch. I really enjoyed that, and John Cusack is really good in that movie too. Yeah, I can't believe that it's a good movie, but I did in fact put it on the list of things. To watch, so I'll I'll check it out. See if I agree with you. Well, let me let me give the rundown of this movie real quick. Uh, so Nick Cage and uh, Ron Perlman. I when I looked at the cast, like Ron Perlman's in here. I'm like, well, that's even more of a reason to go go and give this a watch. Sure. Um, so they are in the Crusades, quote unquote, and they are just murking people, and they're doing a really good job. Um, and then they have to storm a castle, and their boss says, "Hey, when you storm this castle, you go in and kill everybody." Well. Killing everybody is a bunch of kids, and it doesn't sit well with them. So they decide to desert, and they end up be they end up leaving. They get captured, and then in order to keep themselves from, I guess, being hung or beheaded, they have to take this quote unquote witch uh, to this castle and kill her, or make sure that she's killed in a very specific way. Um, and yeah, the movie just follows that for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fairly straightforward plot. Um, Pretty simple. I feel like I I could be wrong on this, but I feel like um, maybe the success of Lord of the Rings and Three Hundred were kind of what got this film greenlit. Because mm. uh, what very little research I did on this, and it's very little. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't about to spend a fucking evening researching Season of the Witch, no. directed by the fucking swordfish guy. Um, the little bit of research that I did about this film, uh, I think it was a spec script, so somebody just pounded something out and put it on the market. Uh, so it was floating around out there uh, waiting for someone to, to purchase it. And I feel like maybe the success of some like sword and sorcery kind of films was what got was, was got a what looks like a relatively small production company to pull the trigger on this. Um, that, those crusade scenes in particular had a very, very strong 300 vibe to them. We'll get into those those scenes. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll get to that. Uh, but I wanted to mention, so this came out in 2011. Um, from yeah. what I've heard, the movie Seventh Son, also, which came out in 2014, but it was filmed much earlier and shelved for like five years. So Yeah, this that's the story. Came out around the same time. I think Dracula Untold came out kind of around this time. Um, Dracula Untold was later. It was like 2016, I think. It was a 2016. Um, yeah, th- th- these all kind of came out at that same time. So I think people were just trying to... The 2014 uh, was when Dracula Untold came out. So around this yeah. time. 
Um, I think people were just trying to make franchises, but this movie doesn't really set up for a franchise. Or yeah, th- or... this one feels like, like I hate to say it, but a little bit half-ass. <laughs> it's like I don't really think anyone involved in this was giving their best. Um, but it it made theaters. It got inter- international distribution. Somebody believed in it just enough to get it out there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we start. We want to jump into the uh, into the plot here. Yeah, uh, we we start off uh, with I believe it's some shots of some villagers being dragged off to a bridge. Yeah, uh, it's some ladies uh, being dragged off to a bridge by what appear to be like some town guards or some knights or something. Uh, the and hound from uh, Game of Thrones, the big guy that he's in that very beginning shot. He's the really tall guy and just says, yeah, yeah. "She fucking drowned, like drowned." Or yeah, 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 yeah. He's from Game of Thrones. Oh, um, well, um, this was very obviously partially shot in Croatia. Um, <laughs> yeah. As a, as a person who's watched a lot of direct-to-video action movies, <laughs> I know what that shit looks like. <laughs> it has a look and a feel. Oh, uh, man. Most of Van Damme's early 2000s films and pretty much all of Scott Adkins' movies are See, shot there. <laughs> I'm like that with TV shows. Uh, I watched How I Met Your Mother, Friends, Seinfeld... Um, they're all in the same lot. Like, you can tell immediately. I'm like, that's New York. That's L.A.'s New York. Oh, yeah. No joke. But, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that a Game of Thrones guy is, is there. <laughs> yeah. um, funny enough, uh, I can't confirm, but one of the one of the guys holding the lady looked like uh, this uh, Belgian fella by the name of Dominic Vandenberg. And, uh, he, he's, like a, he's like a fake martial artist guy. <laughs> Yeah, he has a big long backstory. My friend made me read a, a bullshit book about him. Uh, he he got somebody to produce a film starring him. He's a big fat fraud, as far as I can tell. But his claim to fame is that he was standing next to Leonardo DiCaprio during the big fight that didn't happen at the end of Gangs of New York. So when they're marching out to meet Bill at the end of the movie, he's the bald guy next to him. <laughs> That's his uh, claim to fame. Well, what's his <laughs> anyway? Name? Dominique Vandenberg. Well, it's interesting you say you said Gangs of New York. Stephen Stephen Graham is in Gangs of New York, and he's in this movie. Oh, yeah. Is that the is that the fake Wahlberg? That's the fake Wahlberg. Yeah, that's the fake Wahlberg. Can we can we talk about the inconsistency of accents in this real quick? I just wanted absolutely. To, I just wanted to mention <laughs> it deserves something. Deserves mention. <laughs> Nobody is doing an accent, and everybody should be doing at least an English accent, like just bare minimum. You could be doing English. I'll give Ron Perlman an out. He doesn't have to do an accent. It's fine. It would just—it would be weird. It would be weird. <laughs> really he probably a... tried, and the director was like, "Ron, Ron, no, no, just, hey, just uh, do what you do." I don't do accents, you know. Uh, <laughs> so Stephen Graham is English. Uh, he's an English actor, and uh, I thought he was from Brooklyn. <laughs> he does such a good job of doing. He does Al Capone. I've mentioned it before. He does Al Capone in the uh, Scorsese Boardwalk, Boardwalk Empire. Um, he's really good in that. But yeah, he's British. And I'm, when he started talking, I'm like, why is he not British? What, what? I thought he was from Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> like I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And then Nick Cage occasionally did an accent at the beginning of the movie. Occasionally. Occasionally. It comes and goes. I appreciate Ron Ron Perlman's just like, no, I'm not I'm not doing that at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> He's just like, what is this shit? Fuck that. Yeah. So uh so we're hanging witches. Uh yeah, we are hanging witches. 
And they're like, confess. Yeah, there is a priest. There's a priest like overseeing the process too. I actually kind of like this little this little scene. It, it was. I'm like, it lets you know that this is going to be a dumb movie, but it was kind of fun at the same time. Um, so we're they're given the option like you can repent and admit that you're a witch. Or we're gonna hang you, and uh, the one chick's like, "No, no, no, I'm not a witch at all." Blah 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 blah. blah. And the another, one chick's just like, "I did this and this and this and this." And she's, <laughs> can she's I like, go free now? And then the one chick's like, "You're gonna burn in hell, dude." Uh, the one who's obviously a witch, oh, we think is obviously a witch. We knock one over, we knock the other one over, and the third one's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I did all the stuff. It wasn't witchcraft." And uh, he's like, "Okay, well, we're still gonna hang you." And she's like, "What?" Why are you gonna do that? You said you would, think you would let me go. Like, no, 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 no. Your physical body's gonna die, but your soul will be okay. So you're going over. So yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. If yeah. I'm pretty sure, if you hang three women accused of witchcraft, you're you're releasing a curse. Like you can't do that. That's you super can't dangerous. Do that, man. You cannot do that. Did nobody see Hocus Pocus? Like yeah. that's, <laughs> that's verbatim what happens in Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Now, the funny thing about what happens here is that as soon as they hang these women, and very obviously they, they either choke to death or have their neck snapped, yeah. um, they also lower them into the river to drown them also, just yeah. just in case, you know. And then the priest wants them to, to haul the bodies up. And, and it's a little confusing here, but he has this, like, bejeweled book on him mm-hmm. that he refers to as the Book of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And apparently he wants to complete some sort of prayer or ritual and he's very insistent on it and your uh, your hound guy's like they're fucking dead dude i just killed those ladies twice it's like i'm tired i don't want to haul them up it's like opposite of the mummy and the mummy they're like we have to read from this book to take away his power then we kill him and this they're like we got to kill him and then we can take away their power yeah uh, I, I don't know entirely what he was trying to accomplish here um but he comes back uh he comes back in the evening and it's it's a hideous absolutely hideous grotesque in fact uh day for night shot mm, on a yeah. on a sound stage so i don't know how you fuck that up <laughs> but they did uh it's very 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 blue um by the way i don't know how many times i think at least a half dozen times in my notes i use the phrase oof comma green screen because holy shit there are some awful green screen shots in this film <laughs> yeah um this this being one of them uh so the priest comes back in the middle of the night and uh, he starts hauling bodies up from the river. By himself, and yeah. He, yeah, by himself. And uh, he starts reading from his uh, Book of Solomon. I think one of the corpses starts spasming and, like, puking up green shit while he's doing his prayer thing. Yeah. Uh, so my notes say, like, uh, apparently this resurrects corpses. And uh turns out, though, the third corpse that he resurrects by reading from this book uh, overpowers him, hulks out, and burns him in the book. Uh, cut to title. <laughs> Season of the Witch. Um, uh, then uh, then we get to the Crusades. So, um, Crusades. Now, I don't... I read a book about the Knights Templar one time, which was interesting. Um, but all in all, my, my knowledge of the Crusades is limited to that and what I can vaguely remember of Kingdom of Heaven. Um, that's like three hours long, and I remember five minutes of it. I don't remember if you've seen that movie. Supposedly, the director's cut of that film, because apparently there can't be a Ridley Scott movie without a director's cut out there. Um, Let the man work. It's much, much better. 
It's apparently much, much better than the theatrical version. Well, damn, now I'm going to watch Which it. Which I didn't actually like very much, but yep. now I'm kind of curious. And now I want to watch it, yeah. I mean, it's Ridley Scott. You, you give him a chance. Um, yeah. But, so, <laughs> so we're swinging, we're swinging swords, and we're getting ready to swing swords, sorry. So we get a date, and there's this <laughs> battle that's about to go on, and we meet uh, Nick Cage and Ron Perlman, who are besties in this movie. Um, did you feel like they had good chemistry? I feel like... Nick Nick Cage in real life is like an eccentric nerd. Like he's he's very successful and he's very nerdy and he's a little off. I feel like Ron Perlman is just drinking Coronas like every like just in the <laughs> evening, like just chilling, watching a fucking basketball game. You know, maybe tinkering on a guitar or something. Just like yeah, you know, I did Hellboy. It was great. Yeah, I just feel like they're I, two different kinds of dudes. They they do seem like. Like that may be the case. Nick Nick Cage is definitely an eccentric, although most actors are a little goofy. Um, and you know, Ron Perlman has he's been doing it a long time. He, he did that Beauty and the Beast TV show with Linda Hamilton. Mm. He he's a man of varied tastes. I would not be surprised if they got along when the cameras were off, but when they're on camera together, they never quite feel as as cozy as you'd like. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, because both of them are very, very charismatic. But, yeah. Uh, I think this is a case of uh, you're doing it wrong in casting Nick Cage for this particular role. Because hmm. he, can, he can play stoic. Uh, he can. It's just he's better when you're not asking that of him. He's better when you let him be unhinged. Yeah, and he needs a gun. And I think that when you... <laughs> I'm just saying, this is the wrong decade for him. Bad Lieutenant is perfect it might be the yeah. most perfect cage casting i've ever seen honestly uh, it's it's spectacular no i i think that may be his like best role that that and maybe caster troy <laughs> nicholas i have a i have a very specific thing i want you to do with this movie and i think that you're the only ones that can actually do it so we're going to do the bad lieutenant and i want you to unhinge yourself <laughs> is that supposed to be you your verner <laughs> that's my verner <laughs> that's grossly inaccurate but, i know but i love it <laughs> well, my girlfriend she she studied in uh um uh, oh what's that uh, Netherlands. She studied in the Netherlands this summer for a few months. So every time I'd make fun of them, I would use my German accent. She's like, "That's not what they sound like." I'm like, "It is to me. That's what they sound like to me." Well, well, in this case, it's like it's grossly inaccurate because Werner Herzog has a very specific speech pattern. Yeah. Is it a very specific way of talking? It's like this, Nicholas. I need you to go through the back door. And shoot the men, shoot the black men in you the sound, back of the head. You sound like, <laughs> you sound like um, Jean-Claude Van Damme doing a Christopher Lambert impression or Christopher <laughs> Lambert doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> Somewhere in between uh, I, those. I get, the, I get the Lambert for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and the Van Damme, because Van Damme has a particular speech. This, this close to watching a Geary the Wrath of God the other night. This oh, close. Yeah. And then I just, you know what? It was just a little too far back than I wanted to. It was in the seventies. I'm like, you know what? Let's let's stay a little more. Let's relevant. keep it contemporary for now. Um, but uh, so yeah, got cut back to the Crusades. Uh, <laughs> so Ron Perlman, uh, Felson, and uh, Nick Cage, uh, Bayman. That is a cool name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, right. Bayman. Uh, the two of them are knights in the Crusades. Obviously, on the white people side of the Crusades. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, 
we get a gigantic montage of battles that apparently were all shot on the same soundstage uh, with largely the same lighting, although they do change like weather schemes occasionally, which is kind of nice. It shows a passage of time. Um, the first battle we get is the Gulf of Edremit. Well, uh, Trevor, welcome to uh, uh, World History 101. So I looked up these battles because I was super excited. I'm like, oh, they're dating these battles. Like, you can go back and look these up and see. Are they like, at all accurate? Not even fucking close. Uh, <laughs> not not a single I kind one. Of figured. One of them isn't even a battle from the Crusades. One of them is from, like, eighteen, the War of 1812, I do believe. Um, oh, jeez. So <laughs> the names were, several of these are names that were from uh, the Crusades. However, the Crusades... These battles happened in 1102 to 1109. The Battle of Tripoli is 1102 to 1109. Battle of um, Arata is 1105. Um, so we're not even going in order with these. And they're happening about a 200, year, two, 200 years before they say so in the title, like in the title well, sequence. Your, European history is not really my thing. Um, I do know there were multiple crusades. Perhaps the same battle happened several hundred years later. <laughs> I'm giving them the benefit, benefit of the doubt. Of the doubt. I'm saying that no one, cracked, <laughs> no one cracked a history book at this point. Yeah, I don't think so. Although I, I do need to give them some credit here. The, the costuming in this film is actually pretty decent. Um, it looks like some thought and effort was put into it. Uh, although Nick Cage's helmet during the Crusades is hideous. Oh, it's awful. I was it like, how do you, how do you get anything done? It's, do you remember that scene, that that uh, that first battle that um, uh, Maximus is going into in Gladiator? Yeah. And there's the dude with the giant, like, water buffalo head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. are you getting anything done in that thing? <sighs> I mean, it... It's like having drums on the battlefield, you know? You gotta have the, the one guy in the mosh pit who's just, like, moshing out and gets everybody pumped up. <laughs> that He's not there die. to fight. <laughs> He's not there to fight. He's there to have abs and be sweaty and, Oof. you know, you know, dance around and get everybody pumped up. I, I wanted to, like, just, like, ask Dominic Senna, oh, like, dude, so what was with the dates? What was with the, 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 the dates wrong in there? And I feel like his his reaction would be, dude, what the fuck do you want from me? It's a <laughs> Nick Cage Crusades movie. What do you want? <laughs> I'm just imagine him, like, whipping around. It doesn't matter. Ha- having, having that in the oh, holster, because he's laying, had enough. <laughs> he will lay, I think he would just lay into you over that. Are you fucking coming to me about dates? <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> just super aggressive. <laughs> Just flips all the furniture in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Like, whoa. Fucking. Whoa. (laughs) Dewey Cox ripping sinks off in the bathroom. Just. (laughs) Well, yeah. um, Speaking of dates, uh, the first one we have listed here is 1332. Mm -hmm. And then the last is 1344. So we have a very long span of time in which uh, the two of these fellas have been fighting and chopping people up uh, all throughout the Middle East. You mentioned this off the air. Uh, we You talked about how this kind of resembles Fellowship of the Ring, and that was one of your theories as to why this might have gotten greenlit is the success of Lord of the Rings. and It's similar. Um, they're doing Legolas and uh, Gimli. They're like, I'm going to get oh, fucking yeah. 60. Blatantly. I'm going to get 60. Blatantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the what... What they do, what the first time we see them is to, to establish that they're buddies, 
Yes. Um, they have some some not so witty banter back and forth where they basically say like, "Oh, let's have a competition to see who's going to kill the most people." Uh, so that it's basically just supposed to spell it out to us that they're friends <laughs> and they're okay with killing. Uh, and yeah, it very much feels like Legolas and Gimli. Sorry, another side um, segue here. Um, did you ever see that um, the Spike TV show where they compare warriors from history? Like they will take. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. They they made a really shitty video game out of it too. Uh, they there was one in particular. Deadliest warrior. Deadliest, Deadliest warrior. Um, they did one on Vikings versus samurai. And I went in thinking that Vikings would probably be the ones that would, you know, would win. And then we saw, I saw the samurai, and I'm like, oh, samurai would have fucked everybody up. And especially in these <laughs> battle scenes, like, where they're wielding these giant swords and axes, I'm like, the samurai would have just been slicing motherfuckers up. Just ripping. <laughs> like, it would just be disgusting. It would look like the crazy 88. <laughs> like, <just laughs> pieces of, like, you can keep, like, you can come out of here with your lives, but leave your limbs, because those are mine now. Oh, and typically, like, a, a properly equipped samurai would have a, a mount also. And I'm not sure how many horses the Vikings had. Um, mm. That would probably be a difference maker, I'd imagine. I feel like wealthy Vikings had horses. I feel like that's a good measure <laughs> wealthy of Wealthy Vikings. <laughs> Well-off Vikings. Well-off Vikings. <laughs> Vikings with monocles. They weren't traded for. They Those were those were earned. Like the <laughs> <laughs> We didn't give you blankets and, and pelts for that. No, we took those horses. Um, so yeah, um, sorry. So yeah, I, during all these battle scenes, um, we do intercut some footage. Like, there's like one cutaway to the two of them drinking in a tavern. Uh, so oh yeah, it, it's shitty. basically meant to show that they're okay with killing, uh, as long as it's got real. a couple. Um, they got a couple Bud Light <laughs> limes, some winches. Yeah, they're they're doing it. Yeah, they do the Three Musketeers thing, where it's like, yeah, I just murdered my first person. I should probably have a beer and smooch a lady. <laughs> For the first I feel time. like the lady, the um, ladies would just gravitate to Ron Perlman because of the size of his head. Like God, he's got a big fucking head. Like well, let's just how, go over to how him. else would anyone get in there? Like Nick Cage, would say, <laughs> hey uh, Ron, you, you mind making some room? Like help help a brother out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. It's like, <laughs> it takes up a lot of room. It's just, yeah, <laughs> there just ain't enough room for you. Sorry, bud. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, during all this, we keep uh, cutting back to. Uh, I don't know what you'd call him, but he's like a battle priest. I call him the boss. Basically, yeah, he's the boss. He's he's the hype man on the battlefield who's basically rallying the troops, the white people, um, with uh, religious stuff, saying like, "You're doing this in the name of God. Kill everyone." (laughs) These people don't like Jesus, so you have to kill them because of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, do not yield until every enemy of God has fallen. Is basically what we're dealing with here um so at one point though in 1344 so about 10 years after we first saw them together and by the way young younger nick cage in this movie the reason why i mentioned nickelback is because he is a dead ringer for chad kroger yeah uh, can the you, first time we see him do we have goatees in the crusades i don't feel like that was a, a fashion i don't feel like that was a, a style well, the time traveler that is Nick Cage had one, and yeah. he also had, like, uh, frosted, dirty, blonde, curly hair. <laughs> Thank you for saying time traveler, because yeah. I was watching this, and I felt like at one point when the whole crew were talking later in the movie, I'm like, they look and feel like time travelers that all were transported back to this time and are, like, stuck. And we're like, well, we got to take care of this shit. That's how we get, that's how we get out of here. 
Jones. <laughs> it's like, how do we get home, Nick? It's like, well, uh, I, I think we should kill this witch, and then uh, I think things will figure themselves out. Well, we gotta <laughs> hurry, because I'm fresh out of weed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fresh uh, out. at some point, though, during this battle, um, Nick Cage stabs a girl, and we get a slow-motion shot of him going, and she's going, ah! And uh, in that instant, apparently he just develops a conscience. Yeah. He's probably killed 500 people over the past decade. But this one killing, for some reason, that pushes him over the edge. Ron Perlman doesn't even do it, but he's just, like, witnessing it. And his face is saying, like, oh, he, man. He, he just <laughs> <a conscience. laughs> Yeah, they, they both develop a conscience in that very instant. He and, does. Uh, it is a little white girl. Like they've been killing. I, yeah, maybe that's what did. I think that's what did it because they were killing not white people for the most part. And He's then, like, oh man, I've been killing people for ten years, and uh, this is the first time uh, I killed a white person. I mean, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't. I'm not into it. <laughs> I'm I'm not into it. I don't I don't dig it. <laughs> but um, this leads to uh, Bayman and Felson. Uh, confronting the boss, the uh, the battle priest, or whatever the fuck you want to call him. Battle and, priest um, is... A, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that sounds very metal. <laughs> it sounds like a band, actually. Battle priest! Battle priest! That's a gore song, I'm pretty sure. It sounds like a gore song. I'm sure it is. Or, yeah. Or <laughs> Anyway. um, So, Nick Cage is like, uh, I just killed my first white woman, uh... And it's not sitting well with me. Um, I think I'm going to pack up and get out of here. <laughs> and uh, the battle priest isn't happy about that. Um, and he tells them they can't leave. But Nick Cage and Ron Perlman decide to turn their back on the crusade after having fought for a decade plus. Uh, Ron Perlman very poignantly uses the phrase, let's get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they head to Croatia. I mean, the coast of Styria. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> Two things. One, I, w- I my notes say, can you leave the Crusades? Uh, <laughs> I don't think they you just can. fucking walk out of there. They walked out of the Middle East. Walked out of the Crusades, uh, and then they're also <laughs> when you say that that we cut to Croatia, uh, they are taking the best described as the um, the path less traveled. Because uh, they are walking on rocks next to the ocean. Uh, yeah, they went from the middle of the desert to the coast. To not, this is not a place you walk. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, um, but yeah, they they walk through a, a gladiator esque wheat wheat field. Yes. Um, they find a shack, decently lit, by the way. Uh, the interior of the shack has a nice atmosphere. We're only there for like twenty seconds or something, and uh, they find some moldy corpses. Yeah, like they they look they look spore ridden. Like if they was if they was loaves of bread, you would have tossed them. So this is how I have this sequence written down. Mm. Um, I have gross, dead farmer, maybe not, burn it. <laughs> uh, I will I will stick with that. <laughs> um, that is exactly what happens. Although we get an attempt at a jump scare here, where one of the corpses like is a lady it's a it's a what looks like a husband and wife in a bed together so yeah she moves for some reason and then she immediately dies so what i was since this movie's called season of the witch i was assuming a witch came in and uh dropped some kind of curse on them but what i think has happened is that they've fallen to leprosy 
and that's why she gives that twitch. Like, her husband's dead, but she's just, like, nearly dead. They... Well, what's goofy is it's not even really a twitch. It's more like just a le- leisurely, just, like, reach. It's like she's trying to give her old man the reach around. Yeah, like, it's a quick... <laughs> but then she, like, dies halfway through. <laughs> it's, a quick, it's a quick jolt, and then we just have them uh, walking away, and the place is burning. Which, yeah. Ron Perlman's like, that didn't seem right. And I'm with Nick Cage in this, and I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. That was the right move. Burn that place down. That place is disgusting. Also, they, uh, I think they stole their horses. They didn't the steal first... them. They, they took them. They adopted them. They adopted them. That's, <laughs> they yeah. adopted the, the dead people's horses. Let's be honest. They were not using those horses. Those horses were not being used. Um, um, I, we get, my, I think, my third oof green screen in my notes here because we come to a, a hill overlooking a town, and the town has like a bunch of birds circling it, and the town is very obviously placed there in the shot via CGI. And it's not very good. It looks um, like uh, Minas Tirith. Like, the the town itself doesn't look like Minas Tirith, but it's like in Lord of the Rings when you get to Minas Tirith, it just in the background. Like, oh, look at that. Well, it's there's something called match move when it comes to compositing, like special effects and stuff. And the idea is you're, you're matching the movement of a manufactured object in the frame with the movement of the camera. Mm. And if you do it right... It's very seamless. It looks like that thing is actually inhabiting space because it's moving in time with the camera. Uh, in this case, this this town is like wiggle, wiggling and wobbling around. <laughs> it's like uh, that is not really there. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they go into town and uh, it's super gross. It kind of reminded me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, it's just it's like bring out your dead. Literally, it's pretty gross around there. Um, they're just walking through. People are coughing. It does not look like a happy place. Uh, um, there are flagellants in the street, too. The guys whacking themselves. Yeah. I think that this is the same set from uh, Game of Thrones. I think this is Winterfell uh, because they, they do film in Croatia as well. Uh, certain. It looked like a legit historical building of some sort. I'm almost positive it's Winterfell from Game of okay. Thrones. Um, but they get in there and they go talk to uh, a dude about some better horses and... Um, somebody pulls out Nick Cage's sword, and they're trying to keep it under wraps that they're deserters. That people aren't really happy about that. Um, somebody sees his sword, and um, basically they're they're giving up. Like they're they get into a sword fight here, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's it's more of a scrap than a sword fight. Yeah. Um, while they're in the town, uh, they're attempting to buy new horses because Nick Cage points out that. Uh, the multi-people horses are uh, a little raggedy and probably won't be strong enough to carry them much farther. So they're trying to buy new horses. Uh, they have some. They have some money on them. Yeah. Um. But a kid is like trying to move his shit, and I think he's like trying to put the saddle on the horse or something. And yeah, he drops the sword. Uh, there's a crusader's crest. It's like a Teutonic knight crest on a on Cage's the hilt of Cage's sword, and uh. This leads to like some of the local guards uh, coming after him and Perlman, and really generic action music starts playing. It's just it's very flat, very boring. Um, but yeah, we get into like a, a scrap where I don't think anyone's killed, but no. a lot of a lot of noses are broken, a lot of people get knocked on their ass. Um, the the way this battle concludes though. It, it is very Cajun. It was one of the very few instances of Cajun acting in the movie. Um, so, 
from the from the first time we're introduced to these two characters, Bayman and Felson, um, it's I think intended to be spelt out to us that these guys are super badasses. Mm-hmm. Like they've been they've been doing nothing but killing people for ten years yeah. plus. Um, so they're just manhandling these people, but there's some guys. <laughs> Uh, overlooking from a balcony with crossbows and they're shooting at Nick Cage and Nick Cage is just kind of like lazily deflecting these arrows like no problem but yeah he's like Steven Seagal like 2014 blocking hits like it's oh yeah no he's he's like voguing and the arrows are hitting (laughs) off of his arms and stuff but then at one point uh, he deflects (laughs) one and he just puts his palms out and he just he just says fine fine he just he just says the word fine and that's the end of the fight. He's just like, you know what? This shit is... It's been fun. I'm done. <laughs> uh, hats off to anybody that's doing fight choreography against Steven Seagal these days. Because the amount of mouth breathing that he has to do through those... <laughs> just, just snarling and mouth breathing and... Ugh. Uh, no, belching. I'm, sure he, I'm sure he's just wheezing through his oh, nostrils. Gosh. Breathing through your mouth shows weakness. You can't do that. So you just breathe really hard through your nose <laughs> so yeah they get they get taken to the dungeon and they, they're like yeah where, where'd you get this they're like you guys are deserters whatever they put them in the dungeon and they're basically coming to terms that um they're gonna die um they're what's gonna happen like oh no they'll probably uh i think burn us or what was the other one chop off our heads or burn us or something like that something like that um very important very important to note right before they get to the dungeon uh they are taken to see his eminence Mm -hmm. played by the coolest person that ever lived uh christopher lee Mm -hmm. Uh, lord of the rings alum in fact i um holy shit the makeup they did on him was impressive Mm. if you say anything like if there's anything good to say about this movie, that that was really good. Uh, I had trouble looking at that act. It was pretty gross. It's, it's it was gross. <laughs> I, I I heard the dude talking, and I'm like, I I know that voice. What is that? And then I looked at the um, I must have sc- like just scanned over Christopher Lee completely, because then I uh, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, Christopher Lee's in this. I'm like, that's him. That's okay. Makes sense. I mean, he's only in two scenes in the movie, and this is his only speaking scene, I think, in the whole thing. But uh, he's always—he's basically the coolest person that ever lived, and mm-hmm. he has an amazing voice. You know how cool he is. I watched episode three. I mentioned to you earlier. Um, his fighting sequences in that movie—he's eighty-three years old doing uh, doing those c- scenes in there. Eh, uh, there's a lot of doubling going. There's on. doubling, but there's a few scenes where he has to move kind of quickly. Uh, yeah, uh, um, they also use CGI masks. I'm not sure how much you su- you caught that. I mean, when I was in college, uh, I watched a lot of action movies, a lot of kung fu movies and stuff. So I, I watched the lightsaber scenes in that movie in particular quite a bit. Um, some of the doubling and the, and the CGI masks that they put on people for shots where they couldn't do it from behind are fucking hilarious. Um, the Emperor in particular. I've seen before, some, yeah. Be- oh, my he- God before he turns into Palpatine, like Emperor Palpatine, um, when he's still the senator. Holy shit, the CGI mask they put on whatever actor that was just looks hilarious. My jaw dropped when I saw that last night. It's like looking at a puppet. Like It's like, what is that plasticky looking thing with the lightsaber? unlike anything I've ever seen in that movie. (laughs) It's crazy. I Um, mean, like, like Jet Li fighting himself in the one was slightly more convincing. 
I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to watch The Hound of Baskervilles. Uh, it's a Sherlock Holmes book, but uh, Christopher Lee's in it, and I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to check that one out. And see what that's he all about. He is super cool, man. Yeah, and his speaking voice is, mm. yeah, just great stuff. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, his Eminence. Uh, I'm guessing like the the head priest of the town uh, gives them the classic uh, fantasy movie spiel of. Uh, a great plague has descended upon the land. We need heroes. Uh, will you help us out? Um, so he tells them that there's a witch. Uh, I think they call her the the, the Blick Witch. Yeah. And uh, and uh, they the objective is we've uh, we've captured this witch. She's responsible for the plague, only by escorting her to this abbey where she can be judged and presumably killed. Um, can we remove the plague? And so he's looking for people to aid in the escort of the witch. And being as these two guys are Teutonic knights, um, maybe you want to help a brother out. And uh, they say no. <laughs> so the he's being he's being helped by his doctors, which is a really creepy scene. Like when you go in there, they've got like the long beak uh, plague doctor mask. Yeah. And Nerds on the internet love that shit, by the way. I was going to say, I don't know if you've seen Eyes Wide Shut, but I'm sure you know of the um, sex cult, uh, the sex cult orgy. I'm wondering if, basic gist. if Kubrick, like, tried using these masks at one point, and it was just too creepy. He's like, no, 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 well, no. Well, I mean, it's it's an actual part of European history. Yeah. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. But, yeah, the, the Plague Doctor mask in particular is an aesthetic that people on the internet really... It's really terrifying. Jerk. They jerk off to it. <laughs> a lot it's of creepy. Yeah, um, it, it's iconic and it's creepy. Um, Nick Cage uh, refuses. But yeah, now they're in the dungeon. Yeah, by the way, because yeah. they said no. They said no. So um, they're like, "What do you think is going to happen to us? They're gonna. I think are they going to hang us or burn us alive?" Uh, and he's like, "Well, what would you prefer?" And Perlman's like, "Are they get hanged? <laughs> Don't want to burn alive." <laughs> uh, I like my chances being hung. My, I think. Uh, the noose would have some trouble getting over my head. Yeah, <laughs> be problematic for the hangman. Now, by the way, this is the uh, the the black light prison. Um, I don't know why it's seemingly lit entirely with black lights, but the man who brought you swordfish and gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the witch is down there in uh, the dungeon as well, just a few cages yeah. over. Yeah, um, cages. <laughs> a few cages over. Uh, my note says, uh, Christopher Lee got a case of the leprosy. <laughs> so, the black yeah, witch. Yeah, the, the witch The witch is, uh, I mean, the first time we see her, she basically looks like a sad young girl. And yeah. she is played by Claire Foy, mm-hmm. who, holy shit, uh, she is having a moment. Uh, if you look at her filmography from just the last year, she is on top of Killing the world. It. Oh yeah, um, Unsane. That is uh, what? Who directed that? That's the uh, that's the Ocean's Eleven guy, Steven Soderbergh. Oh, she's in um, First Man, The Crown. Which oh, is she's up for Oscars. I... She's the new girl with the dragon tattoo, and she's on that Crown TV show that uh, like my mom and other people are really into. <laughs> I thought that was Emily Blunt. I didn't even realize that was that wasn't Emily Blunt. They look kind of similar. And, um, well, but, as the queen specifically, yeah. But Claire Foy is having a moment, so it's kind of it's kind of cute to see her, like, you know, eight years earlier, and she's doing this. Yeah, <laughs> you got to start um, somewhere. Yeah, 
Um, we we see that she has some cuts on her back, and she's like crying in the night. Yeah. And based on Nick Cage's face acting, um, it's inferred <laughs> that he uh, he he feels something in seeing this. Yes, um, seems fitting, being as the emotional trigger that got him to walk away from the Crusades was him stabbing a girl. Um, so the sight of seeing this girl harmed and like in in pain, uh, I think, is what changes him. Uh, and makes him decide to join join the the trip to bring her to that abbey um again presumably to kill her yeah <laughs> um so we, we we learn uh through like a briefing sequence and by the way the first person they talked to when they got to the town was a knight uh, by the name of Eckhart who is involved in the in this trek as well uh, he's played uh funny enough by the the evil doctor guy that was in the 2011 thing yeah i was i was it took me forever to figure out where I'd seen this guy from. Like, I recognized his face immediately, and I'm like, where? He, he so badly wants to be Stellan Skarsgård, but he's just not. He's, <laughs> he's too ominous for Stellan. Like, Stellan Skarsgård is creepy, but he's this guy is too ominous. Like, I thought this guy was going to turn any minute, because he just well, has he's that. Like stone, he's stone-faced in the extreme. And what you had mentioned about uh, consistent accents in the film... His stands out because he has that like Scandinavian thing going on where it's like he stands out. He's keeping it on a like just holding it yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, he he's trying, but you know he stands out a bit. Um, but yeah, he's the knight, and then there's also a priest who's heading up the operation by the name of De Belzac. Yeah, which is like the ball I don't sack. The <laughs> ball sack. The ball sack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's heading up the operation. But as it so happens, um, Cage points out that this is going to be a long, treacherous journey. We should probably get a guide. Yeah. Uh, so they, um, the priest only knows of one person who could guide them in the direction they're headed, because they're heading to the Wayward Forest, I think is what they call it. Sounds the haunted. Woods. Sounds fun. <laughs> um, so as it so happens, though, the priest is aware of a gentleman who is currently in the stocks uh, and has based on the moldy shit around his face uh people have been throwing some shit um this guy's name is hagamar and uh this was the gentleman that you had mentioned at the top of the broadcast stephen graham straight up from the bronx apparently yeah i I do my note says a swindler dot 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 from brooklyn (laughs) dude i don't know why they're like have him do an american no reason for him to have an american accent just let him be british it's okay if nobody else can do it just let him be British. Or, you know, cast a Wahlberg or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Have, have you... Ike, Ike Barinholtz as Hagemar. <laughs> Ike Barinholtz. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, when I saw Gangs in New York, I thought he was Ike Barinholtz. <laughs> I fucking loved him in that Neighbors movie. Like, put him in more stuff like this. Like, yeah, put him in something like this. where. <laughs> Yeah, I know how to fucking get there. Just him doing a Wahlberg impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I get. I know I can fucking get there. Are there any movies where Mark Wahlberg has an accent, like uh, like oh. a, a foreign accent? Oh no, um, I, I don't think don't, it exists. I don't think so, and I'm glad. Although now I kind of want to see that. <laughs> he tries. He tries to do one in in Rockstar. Because uh, one of the one of the things in that movie is that he's supposed to fit in with the band, and they're all British. So when he comes in, he, he starts with an, like a British accent when he first talks to the press, and then it wanes during the interview, and then it just drops off completely. Well, I don't know if it was a, if it was an authentic attempt. I think it was meant to be funny, 
Uh, but in Pain and Gain, he tries to do a Scarface impression oh, that is just horrendous. This close to watching this the other night, watching Pain and Gain the other night, because I haven't seen it I since... I enjoy Pain and Gain. I haven't I seen like it since... I like that movie. I do too, but I just haven't seen it since it originally since I originally watched it when it was new. I just want to see The doer, Rock. I'm a doer, goddammit. I just want to see The Rock again in that, in that role. Especially when he's on the coke later in the movie. Oh, when he loses his big toe? And he yeah. goes to <laughs> oh my god. It's too uh, fun. So yeah, they um, they get Hagamar and like, can you lead us? And he's like, yeah, maybe, probably not, but sure, yeah, I can do it. Uh, <laughs> seriously, like that's essentially how the conversation. That is kind goes. of how the conversation goes. <laughs> um, the yeah, the next little note I have is the village set looks a lot like Winterfell in Game of Thrones, but um, yeah, they're they're about ready to head out. Um, and then I have a note here. I'm not sure at what. I don't know if it's before they leave uh, the, the the village or whatever, but uh, Pearlman's character apparently spent a year's wages on a French hooker. Oh, Did you that catch comes that? a little later. Okay. That comes a little later. Okay. So. Uh, that's, that's a campfire story. Okay. Um, um, but r- before we leave, uh, we're down in the prison uh, fetching the witch because uh, we need to get her into this big-ass carriage that we have. It's a, it's a prison carriage. Um, but when we're trying to pull her out of the prison, she uh, she jumps on some people and starts trying to wreck some shit. Yeah. And uh, it's pointed out that she is unnaturally strong. Uh, she definitely appears to be, given that she's a very small woman and these are all pretty big dudes. Um, but they sedate her, quote, uh, <laughs> with, with a blow to the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as we're loading up the carriage and we're heading out of the town to head to the abbey... Um, we get this crane shot that pulls back into like the spire in the middle of the village, and it looks like they're doing the last rites for Christopher Lee. Yeah. Uh, so he dies off screen. Um, it's very unfortunate that such a cool guy is only in the movie for one speaking scene and then dies. Yeah. But oh well. <laughs> um, um, oh yeah. By the way, there's an ugly kid in the room with the most horrendous mustache I've ever seen. Uh, he looks like, uh, I have this written down, he looks like Jorge, Jorge Villalobos, Villalobos from Meet the Fockers. He looks like uh, Greg Fockers illegitimate child. Actually, uh, yeah, he kind of does, except uglier, and with the, uh it's like the it's ugliest gross. beginnings of a mustache you'll ever see, and he's in the room, and the whole time when I'm taking my notes watching this kid cross himself as Christopher Lee's getting the last rites, I'm like, oh God, he's not... It, he better not be in the rest of the movie. Oh, oh, he's a main character. As Fuck. soon as you saw him, you knew he was going to be in the movie. Yeah, I knew he was going to be in the rest of the movie, but I was just crossing my fingers and hoping for the best. Um, but no, he's basically the main character. <laughs> After we're introduced to the mustachioed child, um, we're we're hanging out with a uh, Eckhart and Da Balzac. Um, they're riding up front in the carriage, and we get to see them have a little talk about uh, the nature of witchcraft. And Eckhart, the knight, uh, seems suspicious. Um, he's not quite certain that this gal is, in fact, a witch. And de Balzac, the more faithful, uh, the more faith-driven of the group, seems to be adamant that she is. Mm-hmm. So right from the get-go, we start to see a theme emerging in, in the characterization and the storytelling of the movie. Where it's like, ah, this is a movie about like faith and belief, and and our two central characters, Felson and Bayman, are coming from a place of potentially having lost their faith to some extent, and they're now our heroes, uh, escorting a witch to an abbey, uh, wherein some people are supposed to perform some sort of religious ritual. 
Um, by the way, uh, oof, green screen number four. <laughs> uh, oof, green screen, horse chat. Oh, Because uh, yeah. we cut to Nick Cage and Ron Perlman talking side by side while they're riding on horses along with the carriage. And they're just like bipping and bopping and the background is just kind of floating. <laughs> it's just like... Uh, they're not outside. <laughs> in fact, there's not even a horse in the room. <laughs> I'm sure, like, Dominic Senna was probably, like, arching his back and, like, Ron Perlman was on top of him or something. <laughs> He's like, you don't understand. Like, I, I need to channel the horse. I need to, to get the rocking just right. See, I think Perlman was probably just trolling him. He's like, you know, I'm just not I'm not understanding what you want to do. <laughs> Can you can you maybe demonstrate? And they like does it like oh okay, well, I, it's just not working with this other guy. I think I need you to do it. You know, it's like yeah, I think this needs uh, the director's touch. You know, he just looks over like, and winks see, at it, Guillermo would do it. <laughs> I'm just saying, Guillermo would do it. Hey, he would it's pronounce. Like, you his... mean you mean Guillermo? No, what? I call him Guillermo. Guillermo. It's a term of endearment. No, he it's would a term say of it. Endearment. He's earned it. He would say it right. Um, Perlman is in that Kronos movie, and he's speaking Spanish in there. He does it pretty really? well. Really? Yeah. That's magnificent. I'm not crazy about Kronos, but I liked Ron Perlman in that movie. It's, it's an early Guillermo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, uh, Cage and, and Perlman, they, they banter about uh, the time in which Perlman was robbed by a girl. Yes. Uh, he's, I believe this is... Uh, this is during a fireside chat or something. Um, it's like it's like bro talk. Yeah. They're like they have like a campfire going, and uh, the joke is that um, Ron Perlman dumped like a year of his his funds into hanging out with a, a French lady, and I think she. I think she just stole all his shit at some point. <laughs> he said it was so worth it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, he seemed like like he didn't have any regrets about that. But... Money well spent. Uh, while we're on the road, though, uh, Perlman discovers that we have somebody tailing us. That's uh, someone on horseback. Yeah. And uh, they decide to, to break off from the road and uh, ambush this, this person that's following them. As so happens, it's this gentleman by the... Gentleman. Uh, it's this kid <laughs> uh, by the name of uh, Kai, I think. Jorge Villalobos. <laughs> Jorge Villalobos. Um, so this kid uh, wants to join them. Uh, he, I guess he's looking for the honor and glory of being a knight or something, and he sees joining them in their quest as, as a way to earn that title. Um, he's kind of a prick to Perlman. Yeah. He calls him an old smart. man at one point. He pissed. He pisses off. He pisses off uh, Ron Perlman. It's kind of great, actually. <laughs> his, his when his face changes, like that looked real. <laughs> yeah, it's like you. I think you, it's like you done woke the beast. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's like the he starts turning red like Hellboy starts sprouting some horns. <laughs> Nick Cage, calm, calm down, Ron. Like, calm down, not Ron. now, not now. Um, so Perlman decides to defend his honor. And he challenges the boy to a duel. So they step off from the road, and they, they go at it a bit. It's a nice little sword fight skirmish. It's it's conducted in that uh, very medieval European style of heavy, weighty choreography. This isn't Errol Flynn shit where we're fencing. This is like... Uh, <laughs> um, Perlman has extensive doubling during this fight, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, 
I always forget how old he is. Like, yeah, he's, he's not a young old. man. Um, I don't know. I don't think you've seen it, but it's on. Net, it's been on Netflix. Uh, Pottersville. I think that's the most recent movie I've seen of him. Uh, he's he's getting pretty old. He's looking pretty old in there. Um, I think one of the more recent ones I've seen of his is uh, Skin Trade. Um, it's not as dirty as it sounds. <laughs> it's just Thai. <laughs> um, Tony- <laughs> um, nice. Is Tony Jaa, Michael Jai White, Dolph Lundgren, and Ron Perlman, and Ron Perlman is playing a Russian bad guy in it because that's what you do mm. with your Ron Perlman in a direct-to-video movie. Um, yeah, he 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 was trying <laughs> a little bit, but yeah, he's definitely getting up there in years. I keep forgetting. Also, Pacific Rim, by the way. Um, good, good old Guillermo production. Um, so the the fight basically ends in a draw, um, ish. <laughs> Perlman kind of humbles the boy a little bit. Um, Perlman has a great line in here where he's chasing the kid, and the kid like jumps between some narrow trees, and <laughs> Perlman yells at him, "What the devil was that? Stand and fight like a man, you little jackrabbit!" Yeah, I thought that was pretty. Was, I had, I laughed out loud to that. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, that's cute, you know, but. Um. Then we cut to another campfire scene, because why not? We're yeah, so, we're, dude, we're dudes on a road trip in the so, mi- in the Middle Ages. It it feels like each one of the characters has their own relationship with how they perceive. They each have their own perception of the witch. Um, and we've said like Nick Cage is kind of he's on the fence. Like he's kind of cautious, but at the same time, he looks like he's he feels bad for her. Um, Perlman doesn't give a fuck. Uh, he's yeah. He's he's like maybe the one who doesn't have any fucks to give about the witch. He's yeah. just in it because I think he's he's Cage. He's Cage's buddy. He'll, yeah. he'll do whatever Cage does. Um, the kid is is scared shitless of her. So is um, um, Hagamar. He's like she's just staring at me. He's like don't look at her. Dude's like I can't help it. She's staring right at me. Like he he's clearly afraid of her. Um, yeah. And, and the, go for it. This is this is around the time that it starts becoming clear that she. Uh, it's not explicit that she's a uh, supernatural at this point, although she is apparently unnaturally strong. Um, but she, the things that she's saying to everyone on a one by one, on a case by case basis, definitely feel like she has some insight into their character that she probably shouldn't, um, which does seem a little supernatural. Uh, because she, it's very manipulative the way she's speaking to everyone. Where she, she taps into ex- exactly what they need to hear from her to get what she wants. She, I, I took it as she does have supernatural powers because uh, when she's trying to escape initially, when they're like, we have to get her into the cage, and she's like, fucking these dudes up a little bit. I'm like, there's only one woman in cinematic history that weighs 95 pounds that could actually throw her, like, could actually throw these dudes around, and that's Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. I just rewatched <laughs> that. She could she could actually be throwing some punches and, like, getting some shit done. I mean, I don't know how many pull-ups she knocked off, but... Uh, Quite a few. A lot. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, when she talks with Cage, for instance, uh, she's appealing to his... Uh, guilty conscience i guess yeah and and his his more stoic side because every time she talks to him it's either uh pleading pleading with him like like a wounded child seeking shelter would do or it's being complimentary towards him and like pointing out that oh you're you're the good one 
among all these shitbags, you're the good one. I like you. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> um, but at this point, she does claim that uh, Dabalsak had hurt her. Yeah. Uh, and at, that comes across as uh, probably a way to get Cage to buddy up to her. Um, and it's funny, too, because like, immediately after this, Dabalsak shows up and he's like, hey, by the way, she's a witch. She's a, she's a deceiver. She'll say things to manipulate you. And Cage is like, again, whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I can dig it. Whatever. Um, and then Eckhart volunteers to take first watch of the witch. Um, yeah. Eckhart, who has a dead daughter, and you're going to leave him alone with the supernatural lady that re- resembles his daughter. Okay, that's smart. Yeah. Um, so Eckhart and Dubalsack, they uh, they talk some politics. Eckhart's th- Eckhart thinks that the church wants to kill the, the girl uh, to quell the masses. Uh, because of like the plague and the the crusades and stuff where it's like yeah unhappiness is kind of a trend right now we should probably <laughs> do something to distract people from that <laughs> um mm. conversation basically goes nowhere but it's like one of those historical details where it's like whoever wrote the script probably like had a cliff's note version of of the crusades and of medieval history <laughs> and it's like oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah, I should definitely put that in the script. That would that would really blow people's minds. Um, and that yeah, the girl escapes uh, yeah. by attacking the the knight and the priest. So Eckhart and Debalzak. I, I have in my notes the witch is loose, uh, <laughs> and uh, we get to um, a town which could not had to have been like over the hill because it was it's literally like right there. Right I don't fucking know. there. Yeah, right there. Um, and this sequence I thought was kind of... This was kind of cool. Um, they're basically split up, and the guys are going through this town, um, trying to find her. And there's people in the town. It's like, it's raining, of course. Um, but there's people in the town. Someone shuts their door, or shuts their window. Someone just scurries across, and then they, they start chasing her down. They find her, and they're chasing her down, and they grab her. It's not her. It's just a girl who looks like her. Um, yeah, that was cute. Um, all the build-up, actually. Like, it's not that kind of movie, unfortunately. This isn't a scary movie. No. In fact, I, I'm not even entirely sure what the objective of this movie is. Cause I don't it fail. It, it falls flat in most regards, but yeah. it's definitely not a scary movie, even though it has supernatural elements. But the the mood building during this scene is actually executed pretty well. Yeah. Like, good use of sound. Good, like like you said, like good use of shadows of like figures scurrying in the darkness, and then the the fake out of having them grab a girl and then have it just be some random girl that has plague. <laughs> like yeah. that that was kind of uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's like ooh 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 God, don't touch it. Yeah, <laughs> but like the build up was kind of nice, and then it goes like action mode kind of, and it it steals all that energy uh, by injecting too much of it, um, but. After we we get through the town, uh, we come to a mass grave. That it's it's a decently constructed set, I think, uh, where it's basically like a it's almost like a maze. Like, yeah. Imagine like a hedge maze made of like mud walls, and it's all probably like seven feet tall, so you can't see over any of it. So it's like trenches, basically. It's like yeah. a trench maze, and uh, we're looking for the girl, and uh, Eckhart starts having some hallucinations. Or or maybe they aren't. <laughs> yeah, I I looked down like I just happened to look down at this at this point and um, 
uh, yeah, he's he's having an, uh, he's having a vision here, and he's talking to what he thinks is his daughter, and uh, what ends up happening is he starts running towards uh, the kid, the altar boy, and he ends up impaling him. I looked up, I'm like, oh shit, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Something happened. I'm like, well, the kid didn't do it on purpose. Clearly, I mean, he he had no idea, and um, yeah, he he basically stabs him right in the heart, and uh, they piece yeah, it. Yeah, e- Eckhart offs himself. Um, he he runs right towards what he thought was his daughter, and then it turns out to be uh, the mustachioed wonder wielding a sword, who whips around just in time for him to run himself through on his sword. Um, in the middle of this, we get a we get a plague dog. I thought that was one of the coolest images in the whole movie. Mm. Basically, it's just a dog that's like eating a dead body, and Nick Cage is like trying to shoo it with his uh, torch. And the makeup job that they did on this dog looks fucking sick, but kind of cool at the same time. I well, we'll like, get... it looks straight out of Resident Evil, is what I'm saying. <laughs> when we get to the wolf scene, well, I got some thoughts on the wolf scene. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, when when Eckhart falls, um, everybody comes together. Uh, they're like, "Oh shit, someone's down!" Um, and as it so happens, the girl is nearby. Uh, the girl goes straight for Perlman. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she went for the biggest That's, guy, but I mean, <laughs> <you> take, <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess if you take out the biggest guy, you just have to work your way work your way through the. Uh, I the, guess, but the I mean, lane. if I was to pick a fight with anyone in that group, it wouldn't be him. I mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> If you can take down the boss first and then just kind of work your way back through the levels, it's much easier. I, I get where she's coming <laughs> yeah, from, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, if you beat Shang Tsung first, yeah, you know, Scorpion ain't, ain't nothing to worry about. Um, but yeah, she starts uh, trying to beat on uh, Ron Perlman, and and then she does this thing where, she, like, after they they overpower her and take take her off of him, she claims that oh my god, I was just running out of fear because of the ball sack. <laughs> And they believe her. Yeah, Nick, I have Nick Cage in here. I'm like, Cage is a real sucker for this. I'm like, chop, yeah. chop her head off or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we cut to mourning, and uh, they're burying Eckhart again in Croatia. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, uh, during the burial scene, uh, I wrote a note to myself. Holy fuck, Hagamar is with them? Yeah. It's like, I, I hadn't seen him in at least ten minutes. Like at least ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's he's about to he's about to turn here pretty soon. No, um, like during that whole village scene, he was nowhere to be found. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I would did, just... did, did he just not have him on set well, or something? He he's he doesn't really want to be there. Yeah, and like this could be his like this is my opportunity to get away if they all die or if they all just like run off. Like I can probably get away, but I just think they didn't think about him. Um, like yeah, I, fuck. I think that's more than likely the case. They just yeah. forgot. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, Hagamar's here. Um, but yeah, we uh, we get yet another scene of Debalsack telling uh, Nick Cage, she's a deceiver. She's manipulating us. Don't listen to anything she says. And then immediately we cut to Nick Cage having an extended conversation with her. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I didn't yeah. like. I don't like the yeah. priest Debalsack. I don't. I don't like him at all like his name is Debalsack and he has that stupid monk haircut yeah just it's annoying um, I mean it it's interesting because he is annoying but at the same time he's like he's the most important figure in the cast for moving the plot forward 
For the most part, like he, yeah. He's pretty much responsible for everything that happens in the movie. So he he's necessary from a screenwriting standpoint, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I don't particularly like this guy. Um, but yeah, this, I think this is around the time that we're hauling carriage and we get the first of not that many, actually, uh, Lord of the Rings uh, travel shots. Mm, where it's yeah. Basically what I'm saying is like a helicopter flyby shot of, of our group of heroes traveling a great distance. Um, they probably couldn't afford a helicopter or something no. for more than one shot. Um, and then we get to the bridge, which um, the marketing for this film, this is the only thing I think I remember from the marketing. Oh, other, really? other than uh, Other than the carriage melting. I remember the carriage turning molten and melting, and I remember uh, the scene on the bridge in the in the commercials. So there's uh, you mentioned the marketing on some movies, and I'm like, what? How do you remember the marketing on this? And I forget there's a four year gap in my life while in the military. It's called the Navy. So, yeah, <laughs> where I didn't like movies just came up like we would just get a movie on the ship's tv like we had the ship's movie channels that they would play down in the store like we'd put a movie on so like the movie the sitter was a jonah hill movie and it just played when i'm like this new jonah hill movie i had no idea like we would just get new movies so like i'm like marketing for this i'm like how, how do you remember the marketing i'm like well i would remember the marketing because this was 2011 i was right in it at, at that time so <laughs> well that's why i remember it for you Thank living you. That, living that civilian lifestyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just got Nick Cage movies on tap whenever you want them. <laughs> Whenever I want. <laughs> um, so yeah, do they do they get the carriage over? Yeah, because the wolves come after this. So yeah, yeah, after after. So they're on the other side of the they're on the other side of the bridge, and I'm like, there's no fucking way. And I'm looking at this bridge, and I'm like, there's no way that they're gonna make it across this thing. No fucking way. And they're like, what are we going to do? And Nick Cage just takes his horse and just starts walking across. Without a word said, he just he just takes off. But he's like, he's like, we got to get this done. We have to go across this go across this uh, uh, bridge. So he just walks across, and he gets across, and he's like, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Take everything off of the carriage. This carriage, by the way, weighs a metric ton because it has to be made completely of iron. Like, everything. Like, there's nothing light about this carriage. Um, it's literally a traveling jail cell. <laughs> and he said, like, we're going to get everything off the wagon, take the horses off, and uh, we're going to... There's no way they can push this thing. Like, there's just no way. I don't... I, like, leave her in, but we're going to take everything off. So they're, they have the horses pulling this over... I think they take the horses over first, and then they attach a rope to it, and they're like, have the horses start pulling the carriage while you guys push it in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, um, Jorge Villalobos, um, he falls off the bridge, and uh, the witch girl just catches him and pulls him up with one hand. So you're like, okay, 100% she's a witch. Like, there's Yeah, n- yeah. Su- supernatural powers confirmed. <laughs> um, but there is no reason for her to save him so she's building trust <laughs> yeah she she shoots him a look here and there and he's you know the young guy in the group that's if i was a witch and i was trying to manipulate a bunch of dudes of course you do that well Go he's for the guy with the hormones i was gonna say he's in the heart of puberty and yeah. uh he's about clearly to ex- with that facial hair <laughs> he's about he's exploding sexually and he's like you know what you know give her a bath fix her hair up a little bit she's kind of hot you know uh, yeah you know 
They don't really. They, she she's not. They don't have her. She does not. She's not hot in this movie. She's. They make her. They do a good job of making her kind of gross of the time. Yeah, she she got she got that uh, greasy hair thing going and dirty like, face. Yeah. Yeah, um, she doesn't exfoliate. But. <laughs> by the grace of whatever God Nick Cage prays to, they get this carriage all over this bridge. I, I don't know how they do it. It's incredible. But as soon as they get over, pow, the bridge collapses. Yeah, um, of And course. they're exhausted. They get over there just, uh, uh, fuck. Uh. I'm like, yeah, that, like, the mountain couldn't <laughs> fucking... <laughs> He couldn't push that across there. Like it would have been a feat that he would have started and then blew his intestines out of his groin because <laughs> the thing weighs so much. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, they get um, it across and yeah, um, uh, while they're while they uh, are pushing it across, at one point they're using some ropes to like keep it from rolling too quickly. Oh yeah, I forgot. And uh, Dabalsak uh, scrapes his hands very badly. He gets rope burns. Yeah. Uh, I don't get why he didn't have gloves, whereas the two guys in the front certainly did. It's like, hmm. And Ron Sack, you came unprepared. Ron Perlman's got his um, John McClane fire hose wrapped around his waist, which I was like, don't, don't you do it, don't. You're you. gonna cut yourself in half, buddy. <laughs> I thought they were gonna kill him. Like he's. Atta- I thought so too. Ugh. No, I thought I thought they were gonna let go of the rope. He was gonna get dragged with it and get slammed into the tree stump and be done. I'm going to be honest with you. Once he made it through there, I'm like, Ron Perlman's not going to die in this movie. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's going to make it. He, he's too charismatic of a character. Like, uh, he's too charismatic of an actor, and his his character is, like, the comic relief in this movie, quote-unquote. Like, you can't kill him. Like, it's just not right. Well, I mean, Alien Resurrection, he made it. Yeah, he makes it. As yeah. well he should. As he, he deserved it, because he was... He was one of the better elements of that movie. He even almost, though even though he was a prick. He and almost I, I always like to see that when when a prick that has utility gets to make it to the end. Uh Rambo did that too where the the British gentleman who was a complete asshole to John Rambo mm. throughout the entire movie he was the most gigantic asshole imaginable. He still made it to the end because when they needed him he was useful. Dennehy Even though he was an it. asshole. <laughs> Brian Dennehy does not make it. <laughs> he, he dies as fuck. Uh. <laughs> um, but the reason I bring up the rope burn is because uh, one of Ron Perlman's better moments in the movie, and unfortunately there are only a few of them, uh, Nick Cage is looking at his wounded hands, and he yells, The flask! <laughs> just, the flask! <laughs> yeah. And Ron Perlman just like looks at him and says, Really? <laughs> and Come he pulls on. out this iron flask of some sort of liquor and, like, grudgingly hands it over <laughs> so Nick Cage can pour it on the wounds to, you know, address them. But and then, just his reaction to, like, really? <laughs> and then a dick move, Nick Cage drinks out of the flask. So not yeah. only is he pour it out, then he drinks some of it. Like, you fucking asshole. It's like, I gave that to you to pour on that priest's hands. Not to drink. Jesus. Um, so now we get to we're getting close to the wolf scene here, but it, yeah, this we is, get to the forest. Um, this is where Hag. Uh, I have to keep looking at the note. Hagamar. Uh, there's there's an altercation here, and I kind of had the volume down. Something was was happening. I didn't catch what this was about. Uh, so what happens is he, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, Hagamar doesn't really want to be along for this ride. I don't blame uh, he, him. He agreed to do it because he wanted out of the stocks. 
Yeah. You know, he wanted to be freed. Um, he's not too keen on hanging out in the wayward forest and hanging out with a witch. Uh, so he picks up a crossbow, and in the middle of the night, he uh, comes up to the witch, the witch's carriage, and he's about to shoot her. Yeah. He's going to offer, and uh, Nick Cage catches him in the act, and is like, Hey, uh, I don't think that's going to help us accomplish our mission here, uh, no. Hagamar. This, <laughs> this is not one of our mission parameters. <laughs> yeah, his accent does dip in and out, so excuse the inaccuracy of my Nick Cage voice. Um, but Cage confronts him and says, hey, you should cut it out. And Hagamar's like, hey, uh, if I kill her, we can just, you know, say like, oh, you know, the, ca- the carriage fell off the bridge or whatever, and we didn't make it to the Abbey, and then we can go home. Uh, so they're in the middle of an argument. Uh, again, it's a very, very, very blue uh, night. Very, very blue. blue night. Very blue. <laughs> On a soundstage again. Um, and the witch starts howling. It's pretty creepy. I actually... Yeah, she, she does a good howl. Yeah. It's a good howl. It was pretty creepy. Yeah, she interrupts them and starts howling. And uh, then we start hearing the rest of the forest just lit up with howls of all sorts of nasty creatures. Um. So it becomes evident that we are surrounded by wolves. Uh, apparently the witch summoned them. Uh, Nick Cage picks up a sword and tosses it to someone. I can't remember who. Um, <laughs> at one point, uh, the mustachioed wonder asks him, uh, what do we do? And Nick Cage just says in typical action hero mode, uh, kill, kill as many as you as can. You can. <laughs> yeah. no, good good plan, Cage. <laughs> I had it written down. It says, "Wolves, kill as many as you can." And I have, <laughs> I have, duh. <laughs> That's not a plan, Cage. That's not a plan. Uh, yeah. Did you? You said you had something to say about the wolves. I have a feeling you're going to disagree with me, but as far as CGI wolf fights go, they do a good job of keeping like keeping them off screen and just getting little snippets here and there <laughs> to the point where I'm like, you know what? That's it's not bad. It's it's really not that it's not as bad as you would think it would it, it would be. Um, uh, I've seen worse. Thank I you. I will say that much. I have seen worse CGI wolves. In fact, there's a movie that The Grey. Like, I, I I The Grey was okay. Um the wolves are not in it much, but uh, there's a movie SPL2 I, I absolutely love 80% of that movie, but the last 20, 20% of it is just like, oh my god, what are we doing? And uh, part of that 20% is one of the ugliest CGI wolves I've seen in the 2010s ever. Like, it would have been excusable if this was like 2001 or something, but no, this was like 2016, and it's like, Chinese production or not, you could do better than that. <laughs> I'm just considering this is a Nick Cage witch crusades movie. I'm like the wolves, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty the, decent for this. Movie. Where they where they really fuck it up is uh, the demon faces. Yes. Why did the wolves yes. have to have demon faces? Well, it's supposed to just say that these wolves aren't here by accident. Yeah, uh, they were summoned by the witch. Also, it is uh, foreshadowing for us because we're like, well, we think this is a witch. And like, well, maybe she's not a witch. Yeah. Maybe she's but not a witch. The the wolf... Put a pin in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, these wolves do not look great. Um, they're wildly ineffectual, at least for the early stages of this fight. 
Like, they just kind of run into people's swords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very good wolves. They're not the stormtroopers of wolves. Yeah, abs- yeah, no joke. I was half expecting them to, like, one of them carrying, like, a, a stick spear that, like, it fumbles over itself. And, like, one of them, it. you hear one of them give out a Wilhelm scream, like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> ah! That seems out of place. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing, That would have been pretty funny. <laughs> Just slice. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, during the course of this wolf fight, um, we take out a whole wave of wolves with basically no injuries incurred. Not much to report here. Uh, But then there's a second wave, and everybody's like, fuck this, let's pack it up and get out of here. Everybody hops onto their horses. Uh, We take off down the road, presumably towards the abbey. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed this. I'm very curious, actually. I think the first instance of Demon Face on one of the wolves... I think they reuse it. It's very I possible. They, I think they use the same shot twice. Well, <laughs> I don't know when the last time you saw The Mummy Returns, uh, that second. It's been, a, it's been a while. We watched the first one, which, like we've said before, excellent movie. Um, the second one, not so good. But if you go back and watch it, pay close attention to um, when um, the Israeli actor, um, the Magi guy, uh mm-hmm. He, they're fighting out there. These, um, the dead army that they're fighting, these guys are like supposed to be like eight feet tall. They're literally there's just a dude just like swinging it back and forth. Like he's got no hips behind it. He's just literally <laughs> just like swinging it back and forth uh, a little bit. And there's several of them doing that. That, remind, that reminds me of when uh, I think I watched uh, the year 2000 Royal Rumble. Uh, my brother ordered the pay-per-view and we caught these two guys hanging out in the corner and the one guy's just like choking the other guy and the other guy's on his knees and he's just standing over him just clutching him around the around oh. the shoulders and just they just stand there immobile for like oh. three minutes and it's like I hope nobody notices brother <laughs> <laughs> while while you have Netflix I think it's very important that you catch up on Joe Rogan stand up and some Tom Segura stand-up, but Joe Rogan's latest stand-up, he talks about professional wrestling in there, and it's a pretty <laughs> funny bit. Uh, I'll check it out. You might you might like that. Um, okay. <laughs> but, uh, so the wolves, uh, I have Death by Wolves, so yeah. we get, um, I keep wanting to call him um, Tommy, because he's Tommy from Snatch. Um, I keep wanting to call him Tommy, but um, Hagamar... Uh, he basically gets taken by the wolves, and he's eaten alive by them. Um, yeah, not not a lot of weight to it. Uh, yeah. Nobody nobody cared. Like I about- said, the movie forgot about him for at least ten fifteen minutes. So for him to show up and attempt to to have some like pathos didn't didn't really pan out. If you wanted to make this a good a better movie, have the wolves eat that altar boy because that would have had some weight to it. Well. I'll tell you, like, I'll wait till we get to the end of this when we're wrapping up, but uh, there's one major thing that I think would have made this a better movie. Mm. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, so we ride off away from the wolves. We escape. Uh, we're back in the daytime, and now it's fucking snowing. Yeah. God, goddamn Croatia. Cage <laughs> um, <laughs> has a breakdown, though. He, stop, he halts the carriage, and he picks up the same crossbow that Hagamar had. And uh, he he wants to take care of this witch. Yeah, he's like, you know, we've lost some good people, quote unquote, good people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he wants to uh, he wants to eliminate the witch 
Um, he has a decent <laughs> quote here. What? We've lost. We've lost my human human uh, human shields. We've lost <laughs> two of my human so, shields. All I got left is Ron, and he's hey, like ninety percent face. That <laughs> like, boy weighs eighty pounds. The arrow's gonna go straight through him and into me. That was my last good human shield. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he actually has a pretty decent quote here, where uh, a sack is a. Uh, trying to talk him down and uh nick cage has the crossbow held up and he says uh, no man has spilt more blood in the name of god than i yeah. a benevolent god would not ask such things of men <laughs> and he fully cages out in the last half of that line yes the only instance i think in the whole movie where he raises his voice unfortunately um but <laughs> goofy shit happens here where uh felson ron perlman points out like he like practically slaps him on the shoulder. He's like, "Hey, Abby's right there." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like it's like good. right in clear view of where they're at. <laughs> it's like, it's like fucking got, Mordor, you guys are like a football field away from where you've been trying to get. It's like the eye of Mordor is just looking right at him. <laughs> it's like, like staring hey, right down at them. I see you. <laughs> like it's right there. So, hey man, it's uh, <laughs> I did get a hey, chuckle. I'm so, like, wait uh, a minute. I think it's visual acuity based on movement. Maybe if we move real slow, uh, uh, it won't notice us. <laughs> oh man, that, keep absolutely. Yeah, they uh, they reach abs- the Abbey. Keep absolutely uh, it's, still. It's a it's a cool location. Obviously, it's it's a real building of some sort, like a historical castle or something, or church maybe. Um, but when we get inside, uh, turns out. The plague has reached the Abbey. I was when I was watching this when he's like he comes in he's like sorry for the intrusion and then he has a full on MacGruber blowing up the whole team. Like, oh no 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 no! <laughs> yeah, Devalsack does not take well to this. Um, oh no, no! He freaks. No. Out. Oh no no no! no. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh darn! Uh, he freaks the fuck out. Uh, his faith has been tested. Uh, yes. He starts uh, saying a prayer, gets on his knees. Cage is just practically rolling his eyes at this. He's yeah. like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, but then, like, as they're kind of on their way out, actually, um, there's a monk on the ground who, much like the, the old lady when we first arrived at Croatia, um, he's he's still kind of kicking. He's, he can't talk, but he's twitchy. still alive. And, uh, he like just kind of points up, and Cage is like, "What's that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's the Bejeweled Book of Solomon, just right there." <laughs> so the book that we saw at the very beginning of the movie that apparently has the power to resurrect corpses and stuff is just right there. Um, so now we have a plan. Debalzak's like, "Oh, this is the Book of Solomon. It can be used to resurrect corpses and do other magical feats." Uh, so as it so happens, being as he's a priest, uh, he can use the book. Uh, potentially to put an end to the plague and and quell the witch, uh, do something to the witch. I'm not even entirely sure what the objective is here. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, repetition of the the word judgment. Uh, in fact, how they got the witch to uh, how they subdued the witch was Cage assured her that she would be judged as opposed to just executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure no matter what, this lady was going to get killed, but whatever. Um, and this is when we get what's supposed to be a grand like 
Shyamalanian reveal. Uh, you want to walk us through the revelation about the quote-unquote witch? Well, it come, we come to find that uh, the witch, this was her plan all along. She actually wanted to get to this abbey and wanted to get to this book because it's not Snowflake. It's not Snowflake. It's a demon. Uh, the demon has possessed this girl, and apparently the Book of Solomon is the only thing keeping uh, the demon from... Like, Demoning if, the world? Yes. Uh, <laughs> he wants to destroy the book so that he can just run run free. Um, and the it's really a sad, sad reveal. Um, yeah. The demon is like up on the up on the ceiling and this voice does not is not cool at all like you yeah what happens is the witch is still in the carriage um the ball sack comes out uh with the book of solomon he starts doing some sort of incantation it ain't doing shit no um but then he like just randomly flips the page and it says in what looks like plain english not sure how much of that was around back then but wasn't it says in very plain english like exorcis Mo or something like that. something that very obviously says it's like exorcismo or something like that, and uh, he just decides like I think I'm gonna change up the beat a little bit, like let's put a new spin on this, um, and instead of doing whatever he was doing, he starts reading from the exorcism page, and then the witch starts freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, so now it's working, uh, and this is where we get the shot from the trailer. I remember where the the cages of the carriage start melting. Yeah, she goes full demon mode. She sprouts wings, and I couldn't help but notice the the face of this demon looks like uh, the Iron Maiden mascot. Yes, uh, thank Eddie you. Or whatever. Yes, it looks exactly looks a like lot Eddie. Like him. Looks <laughs> and yeah, the voice is flat. Um, also, nothing there. resembles uh, the son of the devil in Constantine. I don't remember. Do you remember? A little bit, a little but bit not like, as good looking, obviously. No. <laughs> um, some of the special effects in Constantine were very good, actually. I love that movie. I, it's it's stupid fun. I enjoy. I it. don't I don't love it, but it is good. Like it's not bad. I, I especially considering it's based on comics that it doesn't resemble at all, really. Though I like if it's on, like if I see Shia LaBeouf, like I'm Chaz Kramer, like in in the cab, I'm like, okay, this is early enough. Like you can, I can enjoy the movie from here. Um, so yeah, the the demon I guess gets into the abbey and um, yeah, that that's how they figure out that they were being led to the abbeys instead of it has wings. Yeah, <laughs> it can go anywhere it wants. Instead, it goes into the abbey. So they figure out that ah, this is where it wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he reanimates some lepers. Uh, these leper uh, monks. There, yeah, there's a bunch of monks that have been, I think. I think they point out that they're making copies of the Book of Solomon yeah. by hand. Yeah. Um, but the the dude doesn't want to get copies, from what I understand. He wants to destroy the book. Yeah, and before before this uh, final battle, uh, Nick Cage knights uh, Mr. Oh, God, Villalo- yeah. Villalobos. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty dumb scene. Um, yeah, it's not very it's good. Uh, the one thing that we get from it is that everybody gives an amen after a prayer is said, so it's like meant to reinforce the fact that everybody in the party is now on board. Like, we're all in it together, and we all have some degree of faith. I do like the conversation that uh, he has with Pearl, the kid has with Pearlman. He's like, 
He's like, it just doesn't feel right. And he's like, what? He's like, I'm knighted, but I don't feel like a knight. And he goes, you will after this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, that's why Perlman's here is to, you know, give give the film some personality. Because there's not a whole lot of that to go around. Um, By the way, the name of the Abbey is Severac, which is a very... uh, That's a weird name for an Abbey. Yeah, it doesn't sound like an Abbey that sounds like, you know... Sauron type shit or something. <laughs> um, side um, note, if you um, ever decide to drink um, some point in your life, if you wanted to drink beer and you see a monk or any kind of abbey or you feel like it might be from that time period, mm-hmm. um, Belgian, something like that, those are really good beers. Um, every time we say abbey, I'm just thinking like, man, a nice Belgian ale sounds really good. Like Those are, those are tasty beers. Well, I mean, they had hundreds of years to figure it out so (laughs) i hope it's good (laughs) it's really good um so yeah i don't really know what the showdown consists of because i was kind of it's it's kind of hard to believe that it is the showdown yeah because it it feels like a preamble to to what should be the showdown but then it's like oh that's it yeah oh because think you brought up the mummy returns um, I happen to feel that the first half of that movie is excellent. Oh, yes. And then it just keeps going down. Um, basically, when we get to, like, pygmies and yeah. stuff and air and airships before yeah. that, it gets pretty dumb. Um, and even the war scene at the end, it's like, uh, why is this here? <laughs> There's a lot of really dumb threads in that movie. But we that have... first half yeah. in, Lon- in London is pretty fucking fun. Yeah. Um, and... Think of all the scenes that happen throughout that movie, though. All these action beats—they're they're big, they're loud, they're kind of—they're kind of fun. This one, our finale is a bunch of resurrected plague monks, uh, who again, like the wolves, are mostly ineffectual. Um, they aren't—they don't do any damage to our heroes until like the last, the last stanza in the fight, and then demon guy, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Like that's that is it, and the the demon is defeated eventually by reading from a book, and um, Ron Perlman dies. Which yeah, uh, <laughs> I yeah, he he's the what? De Balzac gets his head twisted around by the demon. Good, so he's him. out. He's out. Uh, Perlman gets a false death. He's the only person that's injured by the plague monks. Um, he gets like stabbed in the back, and then he falls down in slow motion. So we're like, he's dead, really. He comes back later, so he gets better. But um, oh, I let out an monks... I let out an audible get fucked. I'm like, he gets stabbed. Like, oh, get fucked, really? Yeah, I mean, that's where I was at. I was like, huh? Like a big guy like that. I think he can handle a little more than that. I mean, yeah. Have you seen a fucking John Woo movie? <laughs> Got to get shot ten times before you start to get some quid in you. Jeez. <laughs> oh, but yeah, uh, the plague monks um, kind of reminded me of. Uh, uh, a blade when they're summoning the 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 blood god. Oh yeah, uh, like the little the little uh, the skeleton demon things. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the the plague monks uh they're killed by being decapitated. Mm. Uh. And our guys, our guys, all of our guys have like expert aim at hitting hit, at hitting that neck region just perfectly. There's no there's no like combat or like slicing and dicing or like delimbings and stuff. Or like any real demonstrations that these monks are are uh, difficult to get rid of. It's just every hit hits right on the neck and they're done. Um, but yeah, Perlman gets stabbed in the back. He falls down, and uh, Cage is grappling with the demon. But then 
he gets bailed out at the last second because Perlman shows up behind it and like pulls it off of him and he, he gets cooked <laughs> he gets cooked by the demon it, uh, it gives him a bear hug wraps its wings around him and sets him on fire and he turns to ash and it was very disappointing very disappointing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, then we get the the very end of the battle where all the plague monks are taken care of the Balzac is out so now the boy has to pick up the book and he starts reading from it but the demon's still coming at him so Cage uh, braces himself against the demon pins it up against the wall kind of like does a not a crucifixion but he he does the the stigmata hands to it he like Mm -hmm. puts some knives in its hands against the wall so he's like pinning it up against the wall and it's using its wings to stab him in the back and he's doing the martyr's death thing and uh, all the while the kid is reading from the book and uh, yeah uh, eventually the demon kind of just dies Nick Cage falls down (laughs) I'm I'm trying to make this sound interesting but it really wasn't it's really not yeah and that's I mean Um, and by the way after the demon dies uh, the girl appears on the ground all slimy and yeah, <laughs> does Nick Cage make it? Because I feel like it's just the, the no. He he dies. Yeah, the girl, the yeah. girl and the boy, they make it, and then yeah, yeah. Um, that, oh, by the way, uh, Nick Cage gets scraped on the eye by one of the plague monks. Scraped, not not like stabbed, but just like scraped on the eyelid and yeah. on the eyebrow. Um, put a pin in that. Uh, so yeah, uh, the girl whose name is apparently Anna, she's okay now, and we have a you know, young guy with her, and, uh, you know, they, they exit the abbey, and they hop on some horses, and uh, they make some graves for all the fallen, quote-unquote, heroes. Um, pretty sure they would have left De Balzac in there, because he wasn't particularly nice to anyone. Um, then we get our closing quotes. Uh, my name is Anna. I owe you my life. God keep you. Uh, and then, as they're leaving the graves, uh, the girl asks uh, Mr. <laughs> Via Lobos. Via Lobos. Uh, yeah, to to tell her about the heroes because she she doesn't remember any of her time with them because she was possessed at the time, but she knows that they gave their lives for her. Um, and then we get this epilogue narration. That do you want to tell us a little something about what this movie has to say about history and the Black Plague? <laughs> I didn't even catch this. I think I turned oh. it off before that. Well, after Perlman goes, it's kind of like fuck it, <laughs> like yeah, I'm done. After that, I'm like I'm I'm done with this. It's over. Uh, so we get a closing narration by the by uh by the girl as they're riding off into the sunset in Croatia. Um, she basically says like the plague is written off at, at, by history as just a plague. Yeah, but I know better because I was there. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't leprosy. It was witches. It was a yeah. demon spreading. It this. wasn't. It wasn't the bubonic plague or rats or anything. It was a witch. So is this like? Was this historical fiction? <laughs> uh, that that's, that. If they hadn't added that, um, I would say no. But they did. So. I think it's historical <laughs> fiction. It, it. This. That's the official genre classification of season of the witch. Historical. F- <laughs> historical fiction um, uh, so yeah I think it goes without saying that this is not a great movie no I wouldn't even call it good um, this is very much like afternoon uh, this is this is a, a snow day 
uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel movie. Yeah, where, where it's like you're you're 11 years old, you ain't got shit to do. It's 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. It's like let's see what's on the Sci-Fi Network. It's like oh, Season of the Witch. <laughs> I'm sure that sucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat some pop tarts and watch it. <laughs> um, I actually, um, we might get some hate mail because of this. I enjoyed watching this a little bit more than I enjoyed uh, Raising Arizona. I particularly didn't care for Raising Arizona; just wasn't my cup of Cohen tea. I mean, um, that's that's fair. Everybody um, has an opinion. I can tell you right now, Raising Arizona is a way better movie. Even though my personal taste aside, like it's a it's a better movie for sure. Uh, but this, I don't regret watching this one. I knew what I was. Ge- I knew what I was getting myself into. I picked this specifically for I want to see Nick Cage's lull period. Like, what was this about? It looks like it could be stupid fun. Well, obviously, I'm equally interested because, the, like I said, Drive Angry is from the same year. Yeah, I'm really the same stage that. of his career. So this is there's a reason I haven't seen either of those movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's because I knew they probably weren't very good. But at the same time, I'm still curious, and I would like to see what they're like. Um, uh, by the way, the, the thing that I was hinting at about what would have made this movie better, um, violence, gore. Yeah. This movie is almost entirely bloodless. Yeah. It, it, it feels tame and it feels half-assed in that regard where it's like there is something missing from this, like, dark and gritty crusader film <laughs> like well like with the amount of instances of people swinging swords uh you would think there'd be some blood um well they don't really fight humans that's the other thing is they're not really fighting people in this movie except for in the very beginning um and those shots are they're done a specific way like it's not it's like you said it's soundstage like it's the same it's the same thing each time um I think you're right. If you were to up the gore factor, because just think about how good the makeup was on Christopher Lee's character. Yeah. So, in fact, all the plague makeup in this movie, like very all the corpses good. we see, very good. I'll like, give it legitimately that. Legitimately good. I'll definitely um, give it that. But yeah, every time some someone's hit with a sword or something, like even the wolves, there's like no no fluids, no delimmings. Well, um, she she could have definitely done like a Russell Crowe in 310 to Yuma like she could have like gotten a hold of somebody and you remember in 310 to Yuma he just in the middle of the night oh, he just yeah. shanks oh, the shit out that of that gruesome. guy yeah like she could have gotten a hold of somebody like the, the altar boy like he was expendable as fuck like you could have just had him get had well, him get he's, killed he's the pure soul that needs to make it to the end and all the other people have their redemptive arcs which they fulfill and then they die could somebody <laughs> somebody could have literally just woken up and saw him standing next to the like the cage and then like he turns around and his his throat is just well i mean like hagamar could have been more of a scoundrel yes he could have been more under he could have like stolen their provisions in the night and tried to run home yeah that would have been a good one yeah and then he gets torn apart and it's gruesome and it, and the audience goes yeah he had it coming uh, and then like the plague monks for instance when their heads are being lopped off there's like this really shitty CGI like yeah. wisp effect that comes out, not a drop of blood. Um, yeah, I, and uh, the reason why I mentioned Nick Cage getting his eye scraped actually plays directly into next week's movie, uh, Drive mm-hmm. Angry. Um, supposedly, <laughs> a big motivator for why Nick Cage uh, read the script for Drive Angry, a movie that on paper I'm sure looked terrible, oh yeah, and decided he wanted to do it was a, it would it was going to be shot in 3D. 
and the novelty of it was attractive to him. And then B, um, the part of the script involved his character having his eye gouged out. Hmm. Something that apparently was in the script for Season of the Witch, but was excised due to the producers saying no. So I'm guessing somebody hit the panic button in, in the producers' meeting room or whatever and said, how do we sell Season of the Witch? Um, I don't know if this is an R-rated film, but it stinks of a PG-13. It's, I think it's PG-13. Yep. So I'm looking at Drive Angry, um, a much bigger cast, like a much more well-known cast. Um, same year, same IMDb rating. They're both 5.4 out of 10. Whoa. Yeah, right? Uh, well, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, yeah I right. wanted to bring that up, that these two movies share that share that connection, that Nick Cage didn't get to have his eye gouged out in Season of the Witch, so he decided to make another shitty movie so he could get that eye poked out. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave this or gave uh, Drive Angry 3D two stars. Was that RogerEbert.com or Roger Ebert? It w- it's RogerEbert.com, but the... the uh, the review said Roger Roger Ebert. Oh, was he, was he still alive in two thousand and one? Maybe he, was he must. On, I think I think he was on his way out, but uh, maybe. I think he passed away in twenty twelve, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, on that he, note, um, I don't have anything more to say about no, season of the witch. Uh, so I guess thank you for joining us as we caught up on Cage. Um, join us next week as we catch up on more Cage in. 2011's Drive Angry. Yes. Uh, Until next time. Peace.